Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Today I'm going to bring a message that I had promised a couple times, at least last year. I would be preaching through something and I would say we're going to deal with this later. And so today I want to speak to you about the millennial reign of Christ or the coming kingdom age on this earth. Uh, Daniel chapter 7, uh, verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him, him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. And then over to verse 27 of the same chapter. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for the privilege to look into your word and see the truth that you've given us about this coming kingdom age on this earth. We thank you that Jesus is going to rule and reign. And Lord, there will finally be a sovereign who we can trust, a sovereign who never lies, a sovereign who keeps his promises. And Lord, we just thank you that that time is coming. I pray that you might help us to, to glean from the scriptures today what you want us to. And I pray that you'd use the truth of the word of God to speak to each of our hearts. If there's somebody here that's not saved, may today be the day of salvation for them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in a world full of problems. The scriptures say that Satan is the God of this world and that most people are following him. We see this illustrated daily in the conflict between good and evil, light and darkness, righteousness and unrighteousness. We hear daily of war, sickness, murder, rape, deceit, bigotry, hatred, and immorality of all kinds. It is really hard to imagine a different world. But the Bible says there is coming a period of time on this earth when all of this will change. This time is called the millennial reign of Christ. A millennium is 1,000 years, 1,000-year period of time. And Revelation 20 speaks of that time, speaks of the fact that Jesus Christ will reign for 1,000 years. Let me share with you, Revelation 20, verse 3 says, Satan will be cast in the bottomless pit where he will be, be for 1,000 years. Verse, verse 2 says, Satan will be bound for 1,000 years. I got that backwards. Satan bound for 1,000 years. In verse 3, he'll be, he'll be in the bottomless pit for 1,000 years. Uh, verse 4, their martyred tribulation saints will reign with Christ for 1,000 years. Revelation 20, verse 5 the unsaved dead will not be raised from the dead until the thousand years is finished. And verse 6, those who, who are part of the first resurrection will reign with Christ a thousand years. And verse 7, when the thousand years are expired, Satan will be loosed out of his prison. One thousand years is mentioned six times in six verses. The, this period of time is going to be uh, before the destruction of this present earth. So there's coming a thousand-year reign of Christ, and it will be before the Lord destroys this earth. That's made clear in Revelation 20, verse 11, and Revelation 21, verse 1. So it's before God destroys this earth, 
there's coming a thousand-year reign of Christ. Years ago, I had a man in a church that disagreed with me about the thousand years. And uh, he was reading a certain publication. He got his mind confused about that. And he didn't think there was a thousand-year reign. I remember taking him to the scripture and saying, look, brother, six times in six verses, God says, thousand years, thousand years, thousand years, thousand years, thousand years, thousand years. We should get it that there's coming a time, a thousand-year period, that Jesus is going to reign on this earth. Therefore, there is coming a golden age, we might say, for this earth in the future. A golden age because Satan will not be the God of this world, but Jesus Christ, the Son of God, will be King of kings and Lord of lords. He will reign on this earth with a rod of iron, and his reign will be a reign of righteousness. Satan will not be around to mess things up because he will be bound in the bottomless pit. Can you imagine what that will be like when Jesus reigns as king on the earth? And by the way, his government will not be a democracy. A lot of talk today about democracy and how good it is, and it is. And it also not be a republic. That's what we really are as a nation. It will be a monarchy. A monarchy. The best form of government is not democracy, it's a monarchy. But not with men, because there has to be a perfect king to make monarchy work. And Jesus will be that perfect king. It will be the kingdom of God on this earth, and the earth and the Son of God will be the king. There's a lot of misuse of that word today, kingdom. I'd like to speak to that just for a minute. Christians today talk of the kingdom. They don't understand, I think, what they're talking about. It is true that the scripture teaches that God is sovereign on the earth and he's also sovereign over history. He does rule in heaven and he accomplishes his will on earth. In the book of Daniel chapter 4, I'd like to read that, that passage. And it says in Daniel chapter 4, verse 34, Nebuchadnezzar was making these wise, this wise statement. And he said this, uh, and the, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes into heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? In that sense, God is king, and he's ruling as king, and that is, goes from generation to generation. We can say today that God is ruling in this earth, and his will is going to be accomplished even though for a time he allows Satan to do things and he allows unsaved people to do things, but he overrules in it all because he is the king. But God's kingdom on the earth has not yet happened. God's kingdom on the earth is yet future. Therefore, it would be best if we did not say things like you often hear today, and that is something like this. I am doing kingdom work. I can think of a particular preacher that I hear say this quite often. A good man, great work, doing a lot more than I am, but I think that's wrong. And he's, we're not doing kingdom work. It's also, it's not proper for us to say, Lord, help me further the kingdom, your kingdom. Or something like this, a soul was saved today and added to the kingdom. The Bible says it like this in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, and the Lord added to the church 
daily, such as should be saved. Not added to the kingdom, but added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said this, Upon this rock I will build my church. He's not building his kingdom today. He's building his church. The kingdom on this earth is yet future. It's yet to come. Some preachers speak of what is called kingdom now theology. And that is, that is wrong. There's not kingdom now theology. We are not in the Lord's earthly kingdom and we are not building the kingdom. Now, we do not have to really imagine what that kingdom is going to be like when the Lord builds it upon this earth. We don't have to imagine what that coming kingdom on this earth is really going to look like because the scripture tells us a lot about it. And that's what we want to do is to examine the scripture and see what the scripture says about that coming thousand-year reign of Christ. As we do that and see the details, it'll be very evident that this kingdom has never been and is not now being experienced. This coming kingdom is not being experienced today. It is also, it'll also be clear to ma that man will, ha will not help build that kingdom. You see, that work is reserved to Jesus. Jesus will do that himself. He's going to build the kingdom, and that's yet to come on this earth. Now, let's look at some facts about that coming kingdom. First of all, the ruler of the kingdom. Who is the ruler of the kingdom? The Bible says it like this in, in, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. And in the days of those kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Now, those, in the days of those kings, what's he talking about? Well, that's the, that's the figure that, that Nebuchadnezzar saw. Remember the golden head and, and on down through the different metals. And there was gold and then silver and there was brass and there was iron. And then the, in the feet, it was iron and clay. And he says in the days of those kingdoms, the iron and the clay, that's going to take place during the tribulation period. And at that time, the Lord is going to set up a kingdom. God, uh, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. So God's going to set up the kingdom. Jesus, the Son of God, is going to be the king in that kingdom. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm, Psalm 2. And Psalm 2 is a wonderful psalm. And it's, part of what it says is in verse Verse 4, he says in Psalm 2, verse 4, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thy inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, and shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. And so Jesus Christ is going to be the, the, the one who rules and reigns. Uh, Daniel chapter 7, we read it a while ago, of what Nebuchadnezzar said, and that Jesus is going to be the king. Zechariah 14 verse 9, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord, and his name one. Also the book of Revelation speaks of that. In chapter 19, you remember Jesus is coming from heaven. Heaven opens, and here comes Jesus riding on a white horse. And uh, the other saints in heaven follow him riding on white horses. And he comes to slay his enemies with the sword of his mouth. And the Bible says that he is king of kings and lord of lords. 
and his reign is going to be a reign of righteousness. Jeremiah 23 says, the king shall be called the Lord our righteousness. And so God's going to set up the kingdom that's coming on this earth before he destroys this earth. And Jesus is going to be the ruler. Also, the saints are going to help him. Daniel chapter 7, verse 18 says, The saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. Also, Daniel 7, verse 22 says, Until the Ancient of Days come and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. So the saints possessed the kingdom. They helped the king, the Lord Jesus Christ, rule and reign. Now, we need to understand something. Those saints who help the Lord rule and reign are in glorified bodies. If you know Christ as your Savior today, you will be in a glorified body during the millennial reign of Christ. You'll not be in mortal bodies. You'll not be like everybody else, you know, having children, uh, making a living, all that. You'll be in glorified bodies serving the king. And the Bible says the saints will do that. Now, who are the saints? I believe that in includes probably three classes. First of all, Old Testament saints. Because at the end of the tribulation period, the Old Testament saints are going to be resurrected. Now we, if we die before Jesus comes, are going to be resurrected. If we're living when he comes, we'll be changed. And that will be before the tribulation period. But the Old Testament saints are going to be resurrected at the end of the tribulation period, according to Daniel 12, verses 1 and 2. Also, it will include, so they will probably be included in those saints who are going to rule with him. Also, New Testament saints, that's us. The Bible says in Revelation 5.10, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And Revelation 19, you remember we, we, we referred to it a while ago when Jesus comes back and it says, but before that, this, this, we will be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. And the white, the the bride that's made herself ready, we're arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, after the judgment seat of Christ in heaven, where the Lord uh, judges Christians for their work for him. And then we will be rewarded. And then the Bible says we'll come with the Lord because those riding on the white horses behind the Lord are clothed in fine linen, clean and white. And so that's New Testament saints. So we're going to help the Lord in that reign. Also, there's another group, and that is... Christians who were martyred during the seven-year tribulation period, they're going to help the Lord in that reign of Christ. And they also will have immortal bodies, glorified bodies. The Bible says in Revelation 20, verse 4, the souls of them that were beheaded for the, for the witness of Christ, they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. During the tribulation period under the Antichrist, if a person becomes a Christian during that time, they hear the gospel and they're saved, it's very, likable that, it's very likely that they will be uh, martyred by, be, by being beheaded. And the Lord says there'll be a lot of Christians who lose their head during the tribulation period because of their witness for Jesus Christ. But they will be rewarded because God says they will rule and reign with me during that coming millennial reign of Christ. So the thousand-year reign of Christ that's coming Jesus is going to be the ruler, and the saints of the Lord are going to help him in that rule and will be in glorified body. Now, let's talk about the reach of the kingdom. Is this a localized kingdom? 
Is this something that's only going to be in the area of Israel and that, or is it more than that? The Bible says that it's going to be over the whole earth. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, thy, we pray the Lord's Prayer sometimes, and it says this, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. God's will is being done in heaven today. God says, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's why I never gather at a, at a graveside and do what a lot of preachers do. And that has everybody repeat the Lord's Prayer. That's a bad prayer to repeat if you don't know Jesus. <laughs> because it says, thy kingdom come. How does the Lord's kingdom come? He destroys all of his enemies, first of all. So if you're not saved and you're praying around the graveside and you're saying, thy kingdom come, and you, you don't trust Christ, then you're praying that God, God will kill you. And so we have to understand, the Lord's talking about that kingdom that's coming on this earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Zechariah 14, verse 9, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. Jesus will reign as king over all the earth. Now, this will include all nations. And uh, Daniel 7, verse 14 says, All people, nations, languages shall serve him. All people. In, Deuteron in Psalm 72, I won't have time to look at it, verses 8 to 11, it says the same thing. All nations over all the earth are going to serve the king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the capital city will be in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem. Now, <clears throat> the world doesn't think much of Jerusalem today. You know, the people who live in that area are fighting over it. It's divided, and uh, they can't build the temple because the Muslims have that site. And uh, so you can't even go, if you go there today, you can't walk up Calvary and see where Jesus died, died because the Muslims control that. And so uh, Jerusalem is a, is a stone of stumbling to a lot of people today. But in that day, Jerusalem will be the ultimate city. It'll be the capital city, and Jesus Christ will rule and reign from that city. The Bible says in Isaiah 24, verse 23, The Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. Uh, Jeremiah 3, verse 17, At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord. And an interesting fact about Jerusalem during that time, it has a characteristic that no other city has. And that is this. It says in, Zechari in Zechariah 8, verse 3, Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth. Could you say that about Washington, D.C.? <laughs> but Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth. Why? Because the king rules there, and he is God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk about some revisions that are going to be brought about in the kingdom. We, see, we saw the ruler, that's Jesus. We saw the, the, the reach of the kingdom, that's all over the world. And then the revisions that are going to be brought about by the Lord Jesus Christ in that kingdom. First of all, everyone who enters the kingdom at the beginning will be saved people. When Jesus starts his kingdom on this earth, everybody that's living will be saved because he will destroy all of his enemies before that. The battle of Armageddon, he destroys all those who come up against him. And the Bible seems to imply that everybody who goes into that kingdom will be saved. 
All the Gentiles who survived the tribulation period, that would be saved people who are not Jews, who survived the tribulation period. Zechariah 14, verse 16 says, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem, everyone that's left of all the nations that came against Jerusalem, because God will destroy all those enemies. He says, Shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts. Now, we understand that these are mortal pe people in mortal bodies. We're in glorified bodies helping the Lord rule over this kingdom. They are in mortal bodies. They came out of the tribulation period as saved people, and they are in mortal bodies, and so they're all saved. But when they have children, their children have to trust the Lord as Savior, or they'll be unsaved. And uh, so, uh, and that's why at the end of that time, there are going to be people who rebel against the Lord. But at the beginning, all of them are saved, and uh, so it'll be called Gentile. Also include the Jews, Jews who believe who have been gathered by the Lord. The Bible says that at that end of that tribulation period, the Lord's going to gather Jews from all over the world, from all parts of the world. They're scattered everywhere. He's going to bring them back. And when he does, he's going to examine them, and he says that two-thirds of them are going to be killed. Two-thirds of the Jews are going to die because they won't believe in Jesus Christ. One-third of them will be saved, and that third will go into the millennial reign of Christ. So you have saved Gentiles and saved Jews to start off the, the millennial reign of Christ. Now, salvation will be a dominant theme during that reign. Isaiah 52 verse 10 says, All the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Isaiah 60, verse 18, speaking of Jerusalem, says, Thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. It's no wonder that salvation is a dominant theme because who's the king? He's the savior. He's the savior. And he's the savior who loves people, wants them to be saved, so it's going to be a dominant theme. And you probably won't have to go throughout all the world and pass out tracts or everything. Everybody's going to know about Jesus, and they're going to know about salvation. They're going to know about Jesus, the Savior, who's the King. Also, the Bible says there will be worldwide peace during this time. Isaiah 32, verse 17, And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. Boy, that's a verse, isn't it? <laughs> the work of righteousness shall be peace. If you do what is right, it will bring peace to your life. The Bible says the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance forever. So the world has a righteous king. He's the savior of the world. And it starts off in this kingdom with everybody who's saved. And salvation is going to be the dominant theme. And when people are born to those mortal, mortal people, they'll need a savior. But they'll all know about him because he's the king. The Bible says in Micah chapter 5 or 4, Verse 3, and he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So it'll be a time of peace, and there'll be no nations raising up armies. I meant to take time to look at it, but I didn't get to do it. And that is just to try to determine the amount of money that's spent by the United States 
and China and Russia and major countries today for military. I mean, I mean, it would be staggering if you knew that figure. But it's just so many of the resources are, are given towards military. Can you imagine a world when no nations develop any instruments of war? I mean, you're not going to fight against the king who's the son of God because the devil's not there to encourage you. He's bound in the bottomless pit. And so it's going to be a world we can hardly even imagine, a world that has peace and nobody's fighting against each other. The world also will be a world where seemingly there's going to be one language. Now, we know we referred to one passage that said he would be king over all the nations and languages, and uh, that's true, but it seems like the Lord's going to change the languages because there's a verse in Zephaniah verse, chapter 3, verse 9, and it's a kingdom verse. It's talking about the coming kingdom, and it says this, For then will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may call upon the name of the Lord, to serve him with one consent. Can you imagine that? Everybody in the world speaking the same language, serving the same God, and it's just almost unbelievable. But the Lord says that's the way it's going to be. God's going to give them one language. Who is the one, that, who, is the one who confounded the language to begin with? It was God. They all spoke one language. At the Tower of Babel, God confounded the languages. And it's no wonder that at the end, the Lord's going to bring it back to where everybody's going to speak the same language. Maybe they'll have some different languages. I don't know, but everybody's going to understand and speak the main language, which is this pure language that God has given. It probably won't be English either. And, uh, but we'll know it. We will know it. Also, there'll be many physical blessings during the millennial reign of Christ. Let me mention some of the physical blessings. There'll be an abundant and miraculous supply of water. The Bible says there'll be abundant rain. Ezekiel 34, which is a kingdom passage, speaks like this. I will cause the showers to come down in this season. There shall be showers of blessing. That's where we get that song, there shall be showers of blessing. It's really talking about a millennial promise. And the Lord says, I'm going to give abundant water. Then there's going to be new streams that will be developed during that time. The Bible says in Isaiah 30, verse 25, and let me say this, when you read through the book of Revelation and see all the judgments that are going to come upon this earth, I mean, it's, it's devastating. It's no wonder at the end that they're not fighting with instruments of war like we know today. They're fighting on horses. And uh, so the Lord's going to bring great destruction. There's going to be destruction in the heavens. It'll destroy probably all the satellites and all that. The Lord's going to bring this, humble this earth. And the Bible says, after that's all over, the Lord's going to give plenty of rain. He's going to bring new streams. And Isaiah 30, verse 25 says, And there shall be upon every high mountain and upon every high hill uh, rivers and streams of water. Isaiah 35, verse 6, For in the wilderness shall waters break forth and streams in the desert. This is a millennial promise. God says this is going to happen in this coming millennial reign of Christ. There's also going to be a miraculous stream. The Bible says in Ezekiel 47, verses 1 to 12, we'll not take time to read it, but it says, a river will come from the millennial temple. There will be a millennial temple, and uh, the river will come from the millennial temple, come out from under that city, and it will head down to the Dead Sea, and it will heal the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, you go there, you can't go fishing in the Dead Sea. There's nothing living there. 
it's dead because of all the minerals and all the salt. It's a dead sea. And, uh, but the Lord says this stream is going to bring healing waters and it's going gonna, it's gonna to heal the, the dead sea. Also, the Bible says that, that uh, on each side of the river, that river, there's going to be trees and they're going to have leaves on the tree for medicine. I mean, God's going to plant trees on each side of that river and everybody's going to know these leaves are for medicine. Also, another thing that's going to happen during the, the, the millennial reign of Christ is there's increased fertility and production. And uh, the Bible says that in Isaiah 32, verse 15, the wilderness shall be a fruitful field. Isaiah 35, verses 1 to 2, the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. It shall blossom abundantly. So all the deserts of the world are no longer deserts. They're fruitful fields. Ezekiel 34, 29, they shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land. Amos 9, verse 13, the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes him that soweth seed. In other words, uh, harvest is over and immediately there's, there's the beginning of another one. You know, it's just, it's just great productivity because plenty of water and God's going to restore the, the, all the deserts. Can you imagine all the deserts in the world being turned into fertile fertile land where crops can be grown. There's no need for, there's no want of food anywhere. The Lord's going to make sure of that. And then also sickness and deformity will be eliminated. I can't, I, you can't imagine that. I think often I go to the hospitals to visit. There's coming a day when God's going to shut them all down. <laughs> I mean, new hospitals going up all the time. And you go there and you can't already find a parking place. It doesn't matter which hospital you go to. They're, they're full because of sickness. But in that day, when Jesus reigns, he's going to almost eliminate sickness, or maybe completely. He says, and the inhabitant, Isaiah 33, verse 24, it's a verse speaking of the millennial kingdom. It says this, and the inhabitants shall, say, shall not say, I am sick. Wow. Can you imagine that? You know, there's some people you don't ask how they're doing because they'll give you an organ recital. <laughs> but some, there, nobody's sick, he says. Doctors don't have much of business, if any. Hospitals shut down. Now, that would be a fight today if you did that, wouldn't it? <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, sickness and deformity eliminated. Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. God's going to heal all these things. And I remind you, this is not heaven. This is this earth where mortal people live. And Jesus is king, and he's going to make these changes. And then there's going to be longevity of life. A lot older than any of us are going to be. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 22, They shall not build and another inhabit. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. And so we're going to live, or they're going to live and live and live. Isaiah 65, verse 20, There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. 
that shows us that even though God lifts a lot of the curse, part of it still remains, and that is death. Death will happen during the millennial reign of Christ, but seemingly only to those who rebel against God. And so if you live to be 100 years old, you're considered just a child. You know, I'm as old as I am, and uh, I see people, you know, they, they claim to be getting older, and they're in their 40s or their 50, and I think, well, you're just a kid. <laughs> it's all relative, you know. But the Lord says if you live to be 100 years old, you're just like a child. Why? Because in that day, there's some people going to live to be 1,000 years old. That's like it was, you know, in the beginning. When Methuselah lived 969 years and Jared lived 962 years, two oldest men in the Bible. You say, that's unbelievable. No, it's not unbelievable. God said it, and it did happen, and it's going to happen again. Longevity of life. And then he says, the sinner being 100 years old should be accursed. In other words, God's going to judge the person who lives to be 100 years old and still won't trust him. And God's going to judge him. And so, uh, longevity of life. Also, there's going to be changes in animals. The Bible says that there will be changes in animals so that animals won't eat each other anymore. Now, that's hard to imagine, but God says that it will be. That it will be because that's the way it was in the beginning. You see, in the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, the animals didn't eat each other. They were, they were not carnivorous. They were herbivorous, I think you call it. And so they didn't eat each other. The Bible says this in Isaiah 11, verse 6, speaking of this coming age. He says, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. And the leper shall lay down with the kid and the calf and the young lion together. And a little child shall lead them. Can you imagine a little child with a leash on a lion walking around the park? <laughs> the Lord says that'll happen. Isaiah 65, verse 25. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock and the dust shall be the serpent's meat. That's interesting. One of the animals that God does not take away that that curse from is the serpent. You remember that's the one who the, Satan behind the serpent uh, tempted Eve and she sinned. And God cursed him and said, you'll be crawling the, your belly. And that is not changed. During the millennial reign of Christ, the, the dust shall be the serpent's meat. And then Hosea 2 verse 18. And in that day will I make a covenant for them with the beast of the field and with the fowls of heaven and with the creeping things of the ground. Great changes are going to happen on this earth, all during that millennial reign of Christ. Now, let me emphasize again. We are not really to say, wow, I can't wait for that day, because what will, when we get to that place and start the Lord, helping the Lord in that kingdom, guess where we've been for seven years? We've been in heaven. We've been in heaven, and we're going to come down to this earth and help the Lord rule over these mortal people who are going to populate the earth. And, you know, it might start with a few at the beginning, but for a thousand years, people having children, you can imagine the population on this earth and the job that it's going to be. Of course, it's not really a job for the Lord. He can handle it, but he's going to have us help him. He's going to let us help him. 
and we're going to rule and reign with him on this earth in glorified bodies. But, but the people on the earth will be in mortal bodies. Now, there's one more thing I'd like to say as we bring this to a close about, to a close about the millennial reign of Christ. And that is, everybody will worship Jesus. The Bible says this, Zechariah 6, verse 12, Behold the man whose name is the branch, and that's Jesus. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and it shall bear the glory of the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and be a priest. And so Jesus is going to be the one that they worship. Now, just a word about the millennial temple. This is sometimes hard to understand because it says during the millennial reign of Christ, there is going to be a temple. And temple worship is going to be restored. And there will be sacrifice of animals in that temple worship. Why is that? I don't know. It's just God says it's going to be that way, so it's going to be that way. But if the Old Testament sacrifice is pointed toward Jesus... It's no wonder that if he restores that temple worship, those sacrifices will point to Jesus. And they will just be visual evidence to all the people. This is what the king did for you. He died for you. He shed his blood. And it's a, a visual picture. And God's going to reinstitute that. And, of course, there'll be some changes, but there'll be, there'll be a millennial temple. But Jesus will, will be the ruler and the people will worship him. The Bible says in Zechariah 14, verse 16, it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of the tabernacles. The temple worship will be in the, in the, be the center, the temple will be the center of worship. The Bible says in Isaiah 56, 7, for mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Isaiah 60, verse 14. The sons also of them that afflicted thee shall come bending unto thee. That's those people who were against the Jews. And uh, the Lord says the day will come. They'll, they'll come bend the knee. And they'll, they're against Jesus. They'll come bend the knee to him. And they shall call thee the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. And people will honor and respect the, the, the uh, city of Jerusalem and we'll not take time to go into it deeply, but also it tells us that the people who have the honored position as mortal body, mortal people living on this earth are going to be Jews. People are going to reverence them. People are going to say, won't you come with me? And we hear that God is with you. They're going to honor the Jewish people, and they're going to have that honor that God promised them. It's all during the millennial reign of Christ. But one thing that they won't have during the millennial reign of Christ is something that we, we treasure today in the United States, and that's freedom of worship. There won't be freedom of worship because everybody is to worship the king. Why? Because you can't improve on him. He's the only one. He's the only one that should be worshipped. But there won't be freedom of worship during the millennial reign of Christ. The Bible says in Zechariah 14, And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. 
There shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of all nations that come not to keep the feast of tabernacles. God says, you will worship me or else. And distant countries, you think I don't know? The king is God. He knows. And he says, if you don't worship me, then I will punish you. And he says, I'll withhold rain from you. And God can do that, of course. And the Bible says he will. So there's no freedom of worship. Everybody must worship the king. Now, there's one benefit that I'd like to point out during this time of the Lord being the king and everybody worshiping him. The Bible says in Isaiah 65, verse 24, that seems like there's answered prayer all the time, almost immediately. It says this, Before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. That is a millennial passage talking about the millennial kingdom. Jesus is ruler in, in, in Jerusalem. And it's not that he's so far off he doesn't know. All you have to do is call and he'll answer. And so there's answered prayer all over the world. There's coming this great day. And there's some lessons we need to learn from this. First of all, God will not allow what he created to be ruined finally by sin and Satan. We see the deterioration today. We see the decline today. It's getting worse and worse. But the Lord says, I will not allow Satan to ruin completely what I started. I'm going to end it with 1,000 years where I rule as king and I rule in righteousness and everything will be done right because he'll rule with a rod of iron. And of course, at the end of that tribulation, that millennial reign of Christ, God will release Satan from his bottomless pit and will allow him for just a little season to come see what he can do to the people on the earth who would not trust Jesus even though they outwardly conformed. And the Bible says they'll gather in multitudes to fight against God himself. As the sand on the seashore from multitude, they will gather together under perfect conditions. People with a sin nature still will rebel against God. And when they have the devil to, to rally their forces, they will follow him. And what will be the end? God will destroy them. And so going into the eternal state and the new heaven and the new earth, there'll be no sinners. There'll be nobody that doesn't trust Jesus, and the Lord will take care of that. But he's going to end with the best years the world has yet has to experience. And that is all these, you know, environmentalists that think we're going to destroy this planet. It's not going to happen. God's going to destroy this planet in his time after he finishes it with 1,000 years of peace and righteousness. Now, let me also say this. If you want to see and be a part of the millennial reign of Christ, you must be saved. Everybody living here, if you experience the millennial reign of Christ, you'll be in glorified bodies. You'll rule and reign with Christ. If you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, while this is going on, you'll be in hell. This thousand years while it's going on, you'll be in hell. And then at the end of this millennial reign of Christ, it tells us in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, that the Lord's going to set up a great white throne. 
And everybody in hell is going to be brought up before that great white throne. This is at the end of the thousand year. Great white throne. And then everybody there, he's going to cast them into the lake of fire forever and ever. So you'll be a part of the millennial reign of Christ in some way, either as, as, as a person in a glorified body, or those who are saved during the tribulation period, they'll be a, or saved during the millennium, they'll be a part of that, that time. But if you don't trust Christ as your Savior, you will never see it because you'll be in hell the whole time. I believe that that should be a wake-up call to everybody that Jesus is the only way. You see, he died for our sins on the cross of Calvary. What would keep us out of heaven is sin. Jesus paid for it. And he offers to us the free gift of salvation. If we'll come to him in repentance and faith, call upon him to save us, and he'll save us, and, he can, and he'll say to us, you can be assured you're going to rule and reign with me in the millennial reign of Christ. I hope that everybody will be there. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for reminding us of these truths. And we ask, Lord, that you might help us to be faithful to you because things are going to get a lot better someday. We're going to be in heaven, and then we're going to be with you on this earth for 1,000 years to rule and reign. If somebody here is not saved, Lord, I pray that you might bring them to Christ today. We ask in Jesus' name.